They call me Tim, and I'm a host of this podcast. This is a podcast called This, this week, week in the West, West Coast. Boy, oh boy. Sometimes when it's, it's a fancy ride, isn't it? So this week is a very awesome because I'm talking to, uh, at the end of the program, we got Rosie, and she's from Wild BC, because I had a question about bear poop. How they must have weird shits when they wake up, right? Don't you wonder that too, if they're eating all your garbage, what are they going to do? Well, Rosie's going to try to help me answer that question later on. And I also talked to Dan from the Flying Steam Shovel in Rossland. Dan's the general manager there, and he's a promoter. He's got the Zolas coming on November 20th. So he's going to talk a little bit about that and what this flying steam shovel is. Cool place in Rossland. Have you ever been? Yeah? Me too. I haven't been there. It's probably not safe for work or your children. Towards the end of the program, I got some complaints. I get some emails at WK in the WK. And I got a couple in here that are pretty complainy. I got to tell you. So I'm going to read those. Man, the things people can complain about. Oh yeah, I got some news. I'm going to read a couple of pieces of news. Things are going on. Strange things. People are missing. Right now, I just want to say that uh, I'm at, uh, with the family, with the wife and, and children. It's my wife's birthday. And uh, we're at the Ainsworth Hot Springs. And I love it. You go through a cave in there. The girls love it. What a party. We're, we're all hammered. They're passed out already. It's 7.45 in the evening. What a good time. Ainsworth Hot Springs, nice drive. Hawaii, feels like Hawaii except West Kootenays, except it's BC. Since this is supposed to be like a, what's going on in the West Kootenays, you know, thanks for asking, but wouldn't it be a good idea if I actually let you know what's going on in the West Kootenays every now and then? Like some news? Not just news, but like upcoming shows, that would be nice, wouldn't it? This guy's just sitting around talking about himself and freaking dumb dumb things so before we get to we're going to start off with the interview with uh, dan darno at uh, flying steam shovel great interview you're going to love it man the man is a high functioning human being and he'll tell you uh, things that you need probably should know and then you'll probably want to go to a show at this flying steam shovel we'll get to that but first i want to tell you this news the news okay i like this piece of news in trail, the RCMP resolved a neighborhood dispute where horse manure was allegedly thrown at another property in Rossland. The incident occurred on September 19th, and trail RCMP, this is way back, but man, it's fascinating. I love poop news, hey? And the alleged manure flinger denied throwing the feces and instead blamed the incident on her horse. According to the RCMP, the woman said her horse had an explosive bowel movement. This could happen when running, causing the manure projectile to fly through the air and land onto the side of her neighbor's barn. Despite the strange circumstances, police said the matter was resolved without any further incident. How mad would you be if there was a horse manure... And if it's explosive diarrhea, you'd be able to tell, wouldn't you? You know, inside of your barn, if it's running down, or if it's... You could you could tell. There's no chance that it would be explosive diarrhea, would it? The horse would have to poop, and it would have to be straight out. And there would be a trail leading to where it had stood, wouldn't there? Where's the forensics on this? But how mad would you be if there was poop on the side of your barn? I, would, I don't think I'd be that mad. 
It's not like it's paint. That's the news I got for you. So let's kick it over to Dan Darno at the Flying Steam Show. Describe like the Flying Steam Shovel. Like, yeah. You're the, well, I guess you'll say. I'm the general manager uh, at the Steam Shovel as well as the promoter, I guess, in, in, in respects in, in the sense that usually venues tend to work with promoters. We, we're in a small area, so I end up being the promoter as well as the person who runs the venue, uh, which does have its benefits, um, but some drawbacks as well, right? So all the risk is, is on the venue when hosting a show, whereas you know other places have it set up where it's 50-50 or 70-30, however they want to run it. So uh, you know, kind of jointly produce an event and you know, eliminate some of the risk. For us, you know, we, we take on all that risk. Uh, you know, however, we operate a hotel, so um, you know, we tend to, to make that part of our, our offer on, on runs for bands is that we have accommodations, which is included in the offer to come play, right? So a uh, smaller room, not as many tickets to sell, but pretty neat because when the bands, you know, they show up, they don't have to get shuttled to a different place to eat. They roll in, they, uh, they load in, uh, they eat, they sound check, they can hang out straight upstairs, that's where the room is, they don't have to go to another part of the city. Really easy, right? And so for them, midweek, it's just super simple. They know they're going to get fed. They know they got a great bed. They know they got a good room to play. And, you know, even though we're small at 136 capacity, you know, it feels like when it's full, it feels like 500 people, you know? So it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, like when you walk in here, the first thing you notice is something's different. Yeah. Right? Yeah. First thing I noticed is I can hear that person talking over there. <laughs> and I could hear my footsteps, like, instead yeah. of echoing anywhere. Yeah. So I started looking around, and then you were talking to me about the... Uh, Acoustic what do you treatments. call it? Acoustic treatments? Yeah. Like that's one of the, the different like feels you get when you come in here. Yeah. You go in somewhere else, you're expecting an old building and you're expecting to hear ah, Yeah, no, you, you know, you know, it's something that we, we've tried to upgrade over the years, right? So when we first started, uh, the room wasn't perfect, but we thought, you know, we'd give it a shot just based on geographically where Rosalind is. It makes a lot of sense as a as a sort of midweek stopover date between the cities. You know, Calgary in the, on the east, you know, it's about seven, eight hours, and you got Vancouver in the west, and that's about eight, nine hours. Kelowna is only about three, four hours north, and Spokane's only two, three hours south, right? So it kind of makes sense, you know, and Nelson, um, Paul Heinrichs over there has done a really good job for years bringing in uh, great talent when, you know, he was booking the Royal and then we moved on to the Hume and now he's doing Castle Jazz Fest. Uh, we just thought, you know, we're far enough away that, uh, you know, we can kind of do our own thing and, and there's a couple options for bands that are driving through the, the big mass uh, expanse that is the BC interior, you know? Yeah, yeah. If the people start seeing like they can do two shows here and you have an all-in-one package that every band wants to play at, yeah, which is here, and you start making this the circuit instead of like going up and doing the fastest route possible. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, we've done that. Like the Sadies have come through and played, and that's probably one of the highlights of, of you know, booking shows here for 10 years now is uh, we did that on, you know, back-to-back nights at a private event uh, and then a public show. So that was a lot of fun, and they got to hang out for a couple of days. Uh, you know, we've had Donovan Woods through a couple of times solo with a band as well. Um, we had Langhorn Slim uh, solo, which was fun. Uh, we've done some crazy punk stuff like Subhumans from the UK came through and played. Um, you know, we've done Real McKenzie's a couple of times, uh, DOA. So, you know, for us, we kind of be, you know, I, I'd say I hate to use the word eclectic because I think it gets overused now, but that's kind of what we do. Like, I don't just book folk and blues shows. I don't just book punk shows. You know, we try to book a little bit of everything because, 
you know, if I'm, if I'm only booking punk stuff, you know, it gets tired in the sense that like I'm asking that same like core group from the Kootenays to come out all the time. You know, whereas if we throw a punk show here, we do a folk and blues show here, you know, we can, we can attract different demographics. And, and when you look at kind of what the steam shovel does in general too, um, you know, with our menu, our cocktails or wine, uh, the hotel renovation, you know, we do try to appeal to a wide assortment of folks. So we're not just going after 19 to 25 year olds. We're not just going after, you know, 50 to 70 year olds. Uh, we try to be appealing to, uh, to everybody. So, you know, and when it comes to my musical taste too, it's kind of all over the map. Like, um, I worked at a record store for, you know, six years, seven years. So, you know, I kind of, kind of have a, a, a wide appreciation for different music, musical styles. And, uh, I like to kind of be able to, to showcase that here too, with, with the curation of, of who's playing the venue, you know? Yeah. Is there something in particular you look for when you're approaching a band that's uh, you know what, to be honest, at this point, like, I don't really go headhunting that much. Um, now we're kind of a part of a, a circuit, right? So it's been weird with COVID, but, um, you know, pre-COVID, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of booking houses, booking agencies, booking agents uh, reach out to me to be like, yeah. hey, this band is coming through. This could work on the route. Do you have a window? We make the show work based on, you know, what works for them and their anchor date. Sometimes we're an anchor date. Anchor date being, you know, your you have a core budget to hit as a band, you know, you got to pay for all these expenses you need to make this amount of money to pay everyone on the tour. Um, you know, so an anchor is usually a big portion of that amount. Uh, and then, so sometimes we end up being an anchor, but because of, you know, we're a small room, we're a small town, a lot of times we end up just sort of being a fill in the gap sort of date. So, you know, you got your anchor in Calgary, your anchor in Vancouver or Seattle or Spokane. Uh, we end up kind of being, you know, an offshoot where you're going to play like a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, something like that. And, uh, you know, you, you, from the agent perspective, they're not having to, you know, pay out of pocket for accommodations for a night where the band isn't playing and making any money. Those days are really expensive. So that's kind of where we are, we're a player as, you know, we're able to kind of work with, work with agents and bands and, and figure out uh, how it's going to work for them and how it's going to work for us. Cause obviously we're not a charity. We yeah. want to make sure we, you know, we're selling some beer and we're going to cover our costs on the band, but uh, we try to be pretty fair with our offers and, and kind of what we, what we pitch to the, to the performers, you know? Yeah. Nice and flexible. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Probably the most sought, sought after kind of venue there could be, really. For if sure. A, a date, like every band has these cities, right? Yeah. There's only four around here, really, yeah. to go around. So you would be the one that'd be like, okay, we can make some money if yeah. we can add in the Flying Steam Show. Yeah. That's one of the coolest things you've seen come through. Oh, man. Uh, I, I can't mention it off the top, right? But uh, you know, just some of those yeah. highlights, uh, the shows that we've done. Like, Was there a moment that you remember in particular, maybe the early days where you're like, man, this could work? Uh, Chuck Reagan, I would say. So Chuck Reagan uh, is the lead singer, rhythm guitar player, Hot Water Music. So uh, he's in recent years, I guess maybe not even recent anymore, I'm so old now, right? but he's been doing this uh, solo, quote unquote, solo project where it's a little more like kind of whiskey folk, yeah. uh, punk influenced, you know, he usually has a backing band too. But when, when I booked Chuck Reagan, that was pretty huge because the first booking agent I ever reached out to, to to kind of pitch what we were doing here, what we wanted to start doing here, um, was his booking agent at the time. And I believe it still is his booking agent, Adam Kreeft. And, um, you know, we started talking back and forth on what could be possible. Started booking a lot of, um, bands on his, on his roster yeah. and just really kind of working towards like being able to book a, a premier name. 
And then just, you know, a couple of years into doing it, uh, the offer kind of came through. It was like, hey, you know, this, this might work for the route. You're interested. So for me, that was when I realized like, hey, this could work. And it was neat because we had people drive from like Nanaimo, Victoria, uh, you know, Kelowna, Calgary, like to come see the show because he wasn't playing any of those centers. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, Chuck was coming through to do a fishing trip. So he was like Fernie, Roslyn, Missoula, Montana. So he was hitting all these like little tiny towns and sort of playing playing these shows just because he wanted to go fishing. So he's like, well, then I can pay for the fishing trip if I play some shows, right? So we decided to kind of fit into that same sort of sort of vein of, uh, you know, where he was going to go. So that was super cool. That was awesome. Uh, and then again, I think kind of same thing when we were able to, to host Donovan Woods on the second go round. Um, I was really a big fan of his... Um, you know, when you had the single like Portland Maine out and um, anyways, I, I was pretty excited. So, you know, I said, hey, to reach out to the agency. And at this point, we've been doing business for five or six years. And I just said, you know, if it works out, it'd be nice to be able to host him one time. And uh, he was on a festival tour. So we got him solo. And then a the couple years later, we ended up bringing him back with the full band as well. Kind of same thing, like in between festival dates. And so when we had him with the full band, that was, that was pretty awesome, right? And when you're pulling people from again, surrounding communities, like when you, when you can draw Nelson, um, when you can draw, you know, people who drive from Kelowna or Spokane, we did another show with a, a fellow by the name of Dave House. Uh, he was a like lead singer for the band Loved Ones for a long time, kind of like a punky sort of whiskey punk, uh, maybe a little pop uh, element in there too. Um, but we got we had him come play solo, and yeah, we had we had a group of, from Spokane that came up that were like you know big Frank Turner, Chuck Reagan fans. Um, so they were. That's not my phone, but that's weird. That's the same ringtone as my phone. <laughs> weird. That's an odd ringtone. Uh, I know exactly who it is. It's a plumber. He was here like last week too. Sorry, <laughs> you have to edit that now. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but yeah, anyway, it's just like super cool when you, when you're able to put on an event and then people want to. It's a marquee event that they're going to drive for, you know, and they're coming to Rosalind. You know, we have three thousand people that live here, yeah, and the venue know. holds one hundred and thirty-six. So to be able to, to bring in some names that people are willing to drive for and they want to be a part of that experience in a tiny tiny venue is pretty neat, right? Yeah, and it's got a draw too because it's Rossland. Yeah, right. You got you can do so many things here you can't do in the surrounding area, and you get to see a show. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what was the other thing I was going to say? It's got an atmosphere here that makes you feel like you're on vacation, even if you're driving from Cologne. Yeah, you went to vacation. Yeah, like a, a short drive away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go over a couple of passes, and yeah, the, the landscape's pretty nice. It's and pretty you get here, and you feel like you know you're you're in this old uh, volcano crater. It's pretty yeah. pretty pretty uh, scenically beautiful you know so um, yeah we're, we're lucky to be here I've, I've been in Roslyn about 15 years and like I said I've been booking shows for about 10 and um, it's neat like and the relationships you build with bands you know they want to come back and play because they, they have good experience they're well looked after and then just the town itself like they just really like it because it does feel like you know a uh, barn burner vacation show you know yeah. so like they can come and they're staying upstairs they can have a couple more drinks than maybe they normally would and they get to experience Roslyn. So if they're here in the winter, they can go ski, snowboard, summer, you know, they can go for hikes. They usually wouldn't be bringing their bikes or anything because they got a lot of gear to tow around. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's something that I've missed for the last year and a half for sure. Uh, you know, the beauty of being a small venue and all those things I mentioned about, you know, how awesome it is and, and sort of the, um, the uniqueness of it and like the... Uh, community aspect where people will come to, to be a part of that small venue and, and see a really great show. Um, it's been challenging in COVID because yes, we have been able to do things from time to time uh, at 50% capacity, but it, it's really a struggle to do it at 100% capacity because you, you can't really afford to pay the artists as much as you need to. Uh, artists aren't 
there aren't as many artists touring through BC with those restrictions because it's hard to make budgets work uh, when you're getting you know 50% offers. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been a bummer to be honest. Like you know, we were talking about all the acoustic treatments before, and I mentioned, and here's my stage, which is a dining area right yeah, now. Yeah. You know, there's there's a table up there with chairs, which isn't really you know something I want to use it for, but you know, you got to pivot and make it work. So. Uh, keeping the doors open so once we kind of get to the other side of this and we can you know have a, the events at 100% capacity you know um, we're still able to do that because at the end of the day I love doing hospitality food and beverage is fun uh, it's awesome to sling craft beer and, and kind of be a craft beer exclusive tap list and, and you know do the menu and, and, and be a, a place that's busy for dinner as well but uh, at the end of the day like you know the, the passionate part of it for me is, is, is putting on the events right yeah, so, nice. yeah. I love the term Word term barn burner, yeah, it's perfect. That's <laughs> just perfect night. I love barn burner trips, yeah, you know, yeah. And if you have the right, there's a lot of bands that come through here that are worth a barn burner, trip. yeah, it's just amazing, yeah. Is there anything coming up that you look forward to? Anything you have, like, even if it's in the works that you maybe, are maybe yeah, so in November, uh, like, yeah, we'll talk about all the positive stuff here. So, in November, I've got two things booked the weekend of Rosalind Mountain Film Fest. So uh, that weekend, it's the third week of November. So the 18th of November is a Thursday. We're going to host a couple films, uh, which will be pretty exciting. So have an event again. Uh, it has to be 50% capacity, which is cool. And then the, the Friday night, the 19th, we're doing a tap takeover with Vancouver Island Brewing. Uh, so we'll have, we have 14 taps. They're going to take over seven of them. So that'll be kind of fun. And then the Saturday and Sunday, uh, Saturday night, the 20th, I have the Zolas from Vancouver, three-piece uh, rock outfit coming through. Um, that's really exciting. And uh, it's selling really well. And then the Sunday night, I have O.C. Elliott from Victoria. And right now they're kind of on all the big uh, folky Spotify playlists and they're getting a lot of press. Uh, so really excited to host them on the Sunday night. Uh, I've actually sold more tickets than I can accommodate for one showing, one seating. So we're gonna have to do two shows. Uh, nice. which is pretty pretty awesome so you know if we got if we were at 100% capacity I could do it in one show but we're not so it, it'll be two shows it'll be an early show and then it'll be a later show yeah you're saying sometimes in the city you get spoiled yeah because so, you can pop into a show ex exactly you know, and so one of the draws I think for bands in, in wanting to play smaller communities is when you show up to, to perform you know the whole town is going to want to come out and see the show, right? Uh, whereas when you're in the city, you play a city show, you're playing a venue, there's six other venues, and maybe it's a Saturday night, and you're like, yeah, it's going to be a marquee show, and all this, and it's not sold out. And you're playing a thousand-person club or a 500-person club, and there's 50 people there, there's 80 people there, there's 130 people there, you know, and it's not as awesome as you were hoping because, you know, the, that that crowd is now being pulled, you know, so say there's two punk bands playing or there's a metal show or there's another show down the road. And it's uh, sometimes, you know, people are spoiled and they're not going to jump at a chance to go see the band. Whereas when you're playing a venue in a smaller town, you know, it's, it's an event, right? And people are excited about it and they want to come out and, and support it. And uh, they're kind of chomping at the bit because, you know, I mean, I've been doing it now for a long time, but especially in the first couple of years, like people were just so excited that something was happening, you know? Um, back in the day, there used to be a venue called the Uplander, which is now the Prestige Hotel. But they, their conference room was where the bar was. So they used to bring in live bands too uh, and do stuff like that. I don't know it was that is as extensive as what, what I've been doing, but um, you know, that's all that the old timer Roslyn folk talk about is like, oh, they bring in a band and it was great, you know? And so then with, with me doing that regularly pre-COVID, like, you know, four times a month, you know, you really kind of cater to that. And, and I think that's sort of been ingrained in sort of like the heart of the community here is like they want to support live music and arts. 
and uh, and for the band, then when the bands show up, they're really su- I don't know if surprise is the right word, but they're they're like grateful for yeah. uh, you know for the energy and, and for the uh, the amount of people that are interested in, in being a part of that event. Yeah, yeah. I know in a city one time there was a ten for ten tour. You know that uh, hardcore punk. Yeah. Terror was there. Madballs yeah. on the bill. Big tour. And I walked right in. Ten bucks. Walked out. Did some things. Just spent the whole day going in and out. There's nobody there. I know. And then I go try and see BCDC in Castor, Alberta. Yeah. Tiniest town in the world. Couldn't get tickets. Couldn't get a ticket. Yeah. But then I just stood outside the barn and listened to the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it, it's there's something to be said for that, right? So you know, it's it, it's kind of neat. It's the same. You know, go go to like a you know, a junior A hockey game or something too, right? And like the amount of fan support is crazy. And just like in a, in a smaller community, there's a lot more um, sense of wanting to support those things, you know? And people feel like they're obligated. They, they want to see it happen and keep going. So they're willing to go spend their money there, right? So uh, yeah, it's pretty neat. Pretty, pretty, pretty awesome. neat to be a part of and, and be able to kind of uh, facilitate stuff like that for, you know, for the 3,000 people that live here. And, uh, you know, obviously we draw on Castlegar and Nelson surrounding area too, but um, yeah, sm- small town shows. It's where it's at. It is where it's at. It's yeah. absolutely where it's at. Well, thanks for having the place open, man. Yeah. Thanks for running so well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Dan Dorno. Flying Steam Shovel. Awesome. We got Rosie. I'm going to talk to Rosie about bears and their hibernation after they've eaten your garbage. That is something you got to think about. Bears matter. Because they could eat you. They could kill you. They could kill your children. Hey, they've been known to molest older people. That is just allegedly, again. See, don't take this. Don't take anything I say. And then go to the go to the uh, real newspaper. I'm having an underwear crisis. I have like 40 pairs of underwear, maybe 35. I love them all, except for the tight ones. And that's not their fault. I'm just getting bigger. But I can't find any of them anymore because the kids are sleeping everywhere because there's a new baby. And now I don't know where anything is. And I lost all my underwear. They must be stacked somewhere, but I've lost them all. So I've taken to like a few days I didn't wear underwear. Like I was proud of my collection too. So now I'm sniffing them to see if I'm going to wear them. And... Man, I forgot about doing that. Haven't done that since I was like 25. Sniffed them, that's not true. Probably 35. But I sniff them and Mitt's rancid. And, man, it's a difficult decision to put them on or not. Because you can't put deodorant down there. It just makes it worse. Trust me. It makes the smell stronger somehow. So, man, I gotta do some underwear hunting. What a crisis. What a serious... There are some uh, concerts coming up. This is what I've read online. I haven't even verified these, but I'm pretty sure. Finley's Barn Grill in Nelson has Metallica Tribute Master of Puppets. Saturday, October the 16th. And Sunday, October the 17th. Finley's Barn Grill in Nelson. That'll be something. I love that stuff. The Zolas, as we mentioned, November 20th, Flying Steam Shovel. In Rossland, ski tour with two eyes. This is some uh, Jambalam and stuff. They play Shambhala. Friday, November 19th in Nelson as well. Bloom Nightclub. If you have events, please tell me. WK and the WK at gmail.com. This is Rosie, and she's from Wild BC in the Nelson region. And she knows about bears a bit. And you know, bears eat our garbage. Here's my, here's my question I had for her. 
So my question is, we have a lot of bears downtown eating garbage in our dumpsters. We have our own special bear. He ran off though. And do you know a lot about bears? Uh, I do know a lot about bears. I have more of a, a bear question instead of like a geographical question. Okay. Well, hopefully I can answer it. <laughs> I hope so too. It's a, I don't know if it's weird or not, but it sounds weird to me. So the bears that go in the city, they're eating the garbage. Yes. The garbage, leftover food, whatever they find. How does that affect their hibernation? And when they come out of hibernation, are they more irritable than bears who ate good food? I don't know about the last part. Um, how it can affect hibernation, though, is that it, if there is food provided to them, it can prevent them from going into hibernation. Oh. So if there's enough, it can delay hibernation. And yeah, if it's warm enough, it can it can prevent hibernation altogether. No way. Yeah, and it's it's also really interesting. It's, I was actually teaching some kids today, and I was talking about how important it is for the bears to get enough calories so that they can survive hibernation, but also so that they can have babies. Oh, what so what basically happens is in the spring the bears mate and while the eggs may be, will become fertilized they don't implant so the female bear may have just like a, a bunch of eggs floating around in her uterus but unless she eats enough food those eggs will not implant if the more food she has the more babies she can have so when we feed bears and we can provide them with an artificial artificially high caloric diet because it's a lot of food. They can get a lot of food for fairly little work um, around humans. That's why they like it. Yeah. So you can actually artificially inflate the population of bears. And the sad part about that is, is that the mother bears will then teach her baby bears to again eat garbage. So you can kind of create this artificial, well, you can create this artificial population of uh, of garbage bears, basically. Yeah. My whole, this is way more, uh, uh, important than I thought. Like, I was worried that their poops were too garbagey, you know, and they would be irritable. Now they, it'll affect their population. Yeah, and it's, it's, it, you can see it, there's some worry that it's happening in Creston with, uh, some of the grizzly bears. To be fair, the grizzly bear populations are making a little bit of a comeback very slowly in our area. They take a long time to breed, or not to breed, but to to reproduce and raise their offspring. So they're not they're not a quick like they don't have a quick overturn of babies. Mm. But say in Creston, where they have access to a lot of corn and carcasses, you can artificially inflate the population of grizzly bears in the valley. Is one thought. There's no real numbers to back that up yet, but that's one thought. And then there has been. There have been cases of just populations of, oh, sorry, I've, I've lost my words a little bit. <laughs> there are cases, there are cases all over of like populations of black bears where you'll, you'll see in towns where they'll get lots of food where you'll have lots of cubs. So, and they end up basically being bears that end up having to ultimately be destroyed, which is quite sad. That being, yeah, I'm oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> oh no, I was just, I was concerned about my personal bear. Yeah, well, like uh, all the chopsticks leftovers, and like he was going to get irritable and, and violent. Well, and they, what what happens sometimes is they 
like there is definitely there can be high quality food that they can get around human yeah. habitation, like fruits and stuff like that. They can get a lot of calories really fast without a lot of work. Garbage, obviously, like they will eat diapers. They will eat plastic. They definitely would eat things that are not great for them. I am not personally aware of, like, that doesn't mean they don't exist. I just am not personally aware of studies that follow um, their health and mood with regards to that diet. But you got to think that if their stomach is not necessarily like full of say something like fruit and it's full of plastic and whatnot that's not going to be great for them no it can't be that's what i was envisioning in my mind bears waking up in their den rushing out like i did after fast food and rushing out like early hibernation and then it will affect their babies too that's nuts well i don't general in general they will eat enough like if they get enough calories they're not they're going to sleep through the winter if they get fat enough it's more about how many, how much fat do they have stored. And the bears around here, our winters are not super cold, so sometimes they will wake up. Yeah. And that's not unusual. There's up at, like, there's a couple bears I see every once in a while around every winter. And they'll get up, maybe look around a little bit, try and find a snack and go back to sleep. That's not the end of the world. But if you think of some of the chemicals that might be in that garbage, that's where I might get a little bit more worried. We already know that some plastics and whatnot can have hormones that can affect reproduction and, you know, and sexual characteristics in animals. So that might be something that I'd be worried about, but I haven't seen the science behind that. Okay, cool. Well, that is very interesting. I have one more question. Mm-hmm. I was at the vet, and because there's bear poop on our yard, my dog was very interested in it, and the vet said that if the dog eats it, he could get drunk. Oh, from the rotten fruit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the fermented fruit. And, like, to, I've never heard that before, um, but I do know that bears will eat fermented fruit that's under the trees, and they can get drunk, for oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. I've I've seen a drunk bear or two in my yeah. life. Yeah, I can imagine. I imagine if someone was desperate enough. You've got interesting questions. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I was more normal, but not. not. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Well, thanks so much. I really love that. That's so cool. No problem. And I look forward. Five of my. I've been thinking about this for months. That's so funny. Well, I don't know if I answered them because I'm really not aware of the science behind that one about the plastics. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Like, what, yeah, like, would they? Man, I just can't imagine. Like, you just you're used to going to bed, uh, eating all this good stuff, and then you wake yep. up like, regular, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, free food. Yeah, and pretty soon your stomach is just completely upside down, and you're laying there, and you're like, man, I can't get up yet, but you have to. Yeah, and they have really they they tend to have pretty tough stomachs. Like, more than us. Like, they can eat some pretty gnarly stuff, but that doesn't mean it's good for them. So, yeah. and it's and it's definitely not good for them in the, in the way that they beca- can become reliant on human foods. And, you know, they will just, they will l- actually look for people so that they can access garbage and stuff like that. 
so that's that's more the worry. And then they end up getting shot because they are a safety hazard. Yeah. To, so. For people, that's the that's the biggest one. As for your bear and the and the feces, I also would wonder something about parasites. There yeah. may like whether there would be a cross species parasite that may you know could affect a dog. That's the one thing I would be more concerned about. Yeah. But a lot of parasites are pretty species specific too. So I don't know if that's. <laughs> It's gross, anyway. (laughs) Dogs do like to roll in poo, though. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And sticky things. It's so gross. It's so sticky. Yeah, there was one other thing I wanted to just... What was the aside? Oh, I can't remember. Oh, yeah, the one thing the one thing that is interesting is, like, so right now we got all that fruit that's out right now, right? And it's all just... And so the bears really like that, and lots of people just think it's kind of harmless and cute. But the thing is that fruit only lasts so long, and then once the fruit is gone, the bears, a lot of bears that get used to humans, then will switch over to the garbage. So it tends to be kind of almost right before their hibernation cycle that they can start to really get into that. So that's something that would interest me as well. Like, I don't know, I, again, I don't have the numbers on that, but that's something, like, if you if you eat that kind of really bad meal right before you went to sleep. Yeah, that's that's my concern. <laughs> yeah. I had a bear here, and he ripped, we had a, a watermelon that it was, it was a big old watermelon, and I cut out the top, and it was rotten. So what I did is I locked it in the garbage, and I locked the garbage tight, and the bear came and ripped it open, ripped the latches open. Like, yeah. Then he took the the watermelon and he hollowed it out perfectly sat under our tree hollowed it out took a dump made a bed oh my god there in the morning and i'm like wow he really wanted that that sounds like a bear if you ever want to see something cool you can go to the kamloops uh wildlife uh center it's like a it's like a place where they've had animals that have been rescued and they have like uh they have grizzly bears, and they have cougar, and they have a spirit bear there, and these are all rescue animals that are now living there. And they have a couple of sibling grizzly bears there, and they are bear-resistant bin testers. So they will take a – if you have a garbage bin and you're like, I want to certify this as bear-resistant, yeah. you take it to them, and people will fill it up with, like, steak and fruit and perfume and, like, everything stinky you could ever imagine, fish and peanut butter and jelly. And then they will give it to these grizzly bears and see if they can break into it. And it's the best thing you ever saw. These oh, yeah. bears – jump all over it. They're trying with all their might. And if it if they don't get into that can within an hour, it's considered bear resistant. Oh, that's a good show. It's a really good show, but like nobody's going to come in after that hour and take those cans away from those bears. <laughs> so eventually they do tend to get into most cans. So it's kind of important to keep the cans at least, like, secured down because they will drag them into the forest and stuff, too. It's, like, only the most big steel, like, no-edge containers that those bears really won't get into. And they'll just they'll fight it until they just start exhausted, and then they'll fall asleep. Yeah, one thing we know, bears are strong. <laughs> yeah, so if you ever get to go see that, it's so cool. It's really, really impressive. I'm going to check it out. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to build my own garbage can. <laughs> just a piece of junk. <laughs> to bring it in for testing. <laughs> yeah. That's three Way to go, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Oh, I love it. Oh, thanks so much. Uh, no problem. That's Rosie from Wild BC. That is amazing that she took the time out to speak with me and answer questions that were borderline dumb. But also, you know, a lot of people might be curious about it. I wrote a plan. Yeah, I did. It's right here. Oh, my goodness. I want to hop into the mailbag. <laughs> mailbag. Mailbag. Show me a song. I'll make a song for that. Mailbag. This is in the mailbag because I like to get whatever mail, but send your complaints in. I love complaints. Like, have a real complaint. Not the government. Damn it. Man, I'm sick of that shit. I don't even turn on the news. Greg writes, I've been in the West Kootenays for 11 months now, and I haven't had a single woman ask me to help them have a baby and then give her only financial support for 18 years after coitus. Is there a woman out there for me? You know, I wonder about Greg, you know. Please send us a picture, Greg, of yourself. And how much money you have. Just let me know how much money you have. Because I, I, I would guess that you're lacking in looks and money. Here's my suggestion. Buy a Chrysler Sebring. The ladies, they love the back seats of those, buddy. This, uh, this is Heather. I'm sick and tired of these fucking bears. Sorry about the language. Going into my yard and ripping my trash can apart. Even I even put a sign up that says, No bears. Guess they can't fucking read. I'm going to put them thumbtacks on the ground next. I'm just so mad at them. Jeez. Then I got one from Bobby. This is a, a serious complaint. This is what I was talking about. So Bobby, he says... You know what drives me up the wall? Vanity license plates. Not only are they self-serving and do and serve no purpose on the road out there except to promote your own vanity. It can cause an accident when I'm trying to figure out what it said. The other day I saw a vanity license plate that said S K D D S D K So I'm sitting behind this car at a light and I read Sk And I'm riding with my workmate and my workmate looks over to me and I look over to him and we're both start sounding it out. Suck duds dick suck duds dick Dad suck dick. dad's dick. Suck, suck dad's, dad's dick. dick. Suck, suck dad's, dad's dick. dick. Suck dad's dick. Oh, suck dad's dick. Two grown men going to work yelling suck dad's dick is not appropriate. I was embarrassed that I was yelling it with the windows down. God damn. Vanity license plates. That's from Bobby. And I've got another one of these at the end of these podcasts is, uh, Try and guess where I am. Try and guess where I am. Here's the clip. Send your responses. You could win a prize. Seriously. A prize. WK in the WK. At gmail.com. WK in the WK. At gmail.com. This is the clip. Please let me know where you think I am. I have all these prizes that I need to get rid of. ASAP. Yours truly... Tim.
fungus. We all know about the World Wide Web, but who's heard about the Wood Wide Web? You read that right. Below your feet is an incredible network of fungi, believe it or not, more closely related to us than to trees. Recent discoveries have shown that this network allows for trees, and then it says that it goes on. Did you know, in one pinch of soil, there can be upwards of seven miles of fungal tubes? Do you know that? Did you know that? Sure are some big trees.